Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of Added Time, a Games and Graps Studio podcast. Thank you to everyone that listened to episode 4, your continued support is greatly appreciated and what a weekend of football we have just had and the fixtures are coming thick and fast, there's more games coming this week and then again at the weekend so it's just football, football, football at the moment and if your team is doing well I imagine that you are really excited by that. If your team isn't doing so well and are potentially bottom of the Premier League, you're probably not so excited about it. But I've got to continue to do this podcast regardless of what's going on with Leicester. It would just be typical that they would be in a relegation battle the year that I do decide to finally do a podcast. But there we go. It is what it is, as they say. Let's get straight into it. There is loads to talk about this week. The fixture's just gone. Transfer news. Transfers are going to be crazy this week because the transfer window closes on the 1st of September. And then we've got the fallout from the Champions League draw, the Europa League draw as well. And then I'm going to obviously do my predictions for the upcoming fixtures. Let's get straight into it. So last weekend, we saw a couple of really high scoring games and some not so surprise results, really. Things seem to be starting to settle down a little bit on that front. So, first up, Southampton against Manchester United. United winning this one 1 0. Back to back wins for United there. And, you know, things are looking good now at United. A couple of wing wins, and all of a sudden they are, they've shot up the table. Signings are coming in. More links today with more players. I'll talk about that in the transfer roundup a little bit later on. I thought the game was was fairly even. It wasn't it wasn't a classic by any stretch of the imagination. But United just doing enough there to get the win. So yeah, I imagine that United will continue with this winning run over the next couple of games. Brentford against Everton. So Anthony Gordon scored here. Uh, subject been subject to a number of links to, to Chelsea. But he started, he played, which is good to see. A player that despite supposedly wanting to move away, it's good to see that he's still willing to put the shirt on for the team that he's contracted to and perform and score. But Brentford did equalise a little bit later on. Again, I said it last week, it almost feels like Brentford need to go a goal behind before they start to wake up. And that will that will catch them out eventually. That will catch them out. Because there will come a time where they just can't come back. And they'll start losing games as opposed to drawing. Uh, but Brentford doing okay. Everton, you know, I, I think Everton are going to be one of those teams that flirts with relegation again this season. I think there's a quite a... A few. They're in a group of about six teams. I think could be in, could could be uh, in a bit of a scrap this season. Uh, the Champions League decider. <laughs> uh, I joked about it last week because Brighton took on Leeds and Brighton came out winners. So Brighton just flying, absolutely flying at the minute. And what a job Graham Potter is doing there. Um, they've sold Kukurea. They've sold Basuma. Neil Morpé has moved as well. And there's links to uh, another one of their players today. Apparently Liverpool wants him. But they're doing really well. And uh, I think Graham Potter is going to be a manager that will be sought after by one or two teams who could be looking to replace their manager in the coming weeks. But I'll talk about that as and when it happens. If it happens, which I think with one it definitely will. Uh, Leeds, you know they're doing well. They're still doing. They're still doing well. They're, they're still, you know, up there. Um, they just need. To, they need to really, really ensure that they just keep picking up them points at home. You know, they're one of those teams where, you know, along with along with the likes of Brighton actually, and you know, like a, a Nottingham, like Nottingham Forest, West Ham as well. You know, winning the home games is gonna what is gonna be the reason that they succeed this season. Uh, you know the, you know what the fans are like at Ellen Road. They get behind their team. So yeah, they're, they're going to need to continue to pick up points at home. You know if they can't obviously pick them up away. 
At Stamford Bridge, a 10-man Chelsea beat Leicester City 2-1. So Conor Gallagher got sent off after half an hour for two bookable offences, but then managed to go 2-0 up. And it's the same old story with Leicester that um, it is harder to play against 10 men, but uh, you know, having seen some of the defending, just, just very, very poor. But Leicester had chances. They they had a few chances after that. Uh, Aosi Perez hit the bar. Jamie Vardy missed missed a couple of he missed a great chance in the first half, and went round the keeper in the second half. And eh, could have done better. Could have probably put his foot on the ball and maybe set someone up. But he's looking for his first goal of the season, so you can't blame him for wanting to go for goal. And at the end of the day, it's Jamie Vardy. You you would back him. I guess nine times out of ten, but unfortunately, he didn't uh, didn't put the ball in the back of the net this time. So things aren't going well for Leicester at the moment. Currently, bottom of the league. Lovely stuff. <laughs> Next up, Liverpool. They scraped by against Bournemouth. They beat them. Uh, let me just check this. Yeah, nine nil. So Bournemouth now join Southampton and Ipswich on being on the receiving end of the biggest defeats in Premier League history. Uh, yes, a 9-0 win for Liverpool. Six different goal scorers, none of them Mo Salah, which has annoyed so many fantasy Premier League uh, managers because obviously they would they would have had him, that well, one obviously, most of them would have had him as a captain. And he didn't score. He didn't even get an assist either. Uh, the Liverpool were 5-0 up by half-time. And, and there was time for a tenth as well. We're yet to see that. We're yet to see a team on the end of a, a double-figure defeat in the Premier League. I, I, I imagine it will, it will happen one day. It will absolutely happen one day. I said last week that, you know, Bournemouth had, you know, such a... A tough, tough start to the season, uh, but they do have they they have something that one or two teams don't have. They do actually have a win on the board. So let's see what Scott Parker can do here with the Bournemouth players. Can he pick them back up? He looked like a, a broken man on on Saturday, and I and I can only you know I know how, how crappy I feel when my team loses. Let alone losing nine nil. It's can't be easy as a manager. It must be really hard to then go and pick those players back up. But Southampton, you know, they've been on the end of two nine nil defeats in the last three or four seasons, and each time they've gone on to survive, stay up. Uh, I think it's going to be a big. Everyone's saying that you know that's Bournemouth pretty much relegated. Like I say, tough start to the season. Liverpool. They played played Liverpool. They played Man City. Did they play Arsenal? I can't remember now. They played they played another one, another one of the uh, the top six or the big six. So yeah, some work there to do for Scott Parker. And and I guess the worrying thing is as well is that he's he's actually come out and said himself that it might not be the first time. It might might not be the only time this season that his side are on the end of an absolute walloping, which. I'd I'd be concerned if I was a Bournemouth fan, if my manager was saying that. I may have misquoted him there, but that's what I read. Bit of work to do then, but Liverpool are supposedly back. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Liverpool were never going to uh, never going to be too down for long, despite their uh, rocky start to the season. Next up, Man City had to come back from being two goals down. Against uh, at home to Crystal Palace, so Palace, like I say, went two 0 up, and I think most of us expected Man City to come back, and they did. And that that terrible striker that they have up front, who's a, a waste of money and wouldn't be able to cut it in the Premier League, Erling Haaland got his first Premier League hat trick, so he's now the league's top goal scorer on six goals already. It's not a bad start from your first four games. Man City running out 4-2 winners. And then Arsenal kept up their 100% start, a winning start, 
with a 2-1 win against Fulham. Arsenal are absolutely flying at the moment. And you know what? Fair play to them. Have they had favourable fixtures? Yes, they have, absolutely. There's For me, there's a long way to go for them to be title contenders. They need to really, really improve their record against the big six, the other five of the big six. Their record against though the other teams isn't great. So they need to improve on that and pick off those teams if they are going to be title contenders. But you can only beat what's in front of you. You can only play what's against what's in front of you. And they've done. They've started well. I watched the All or Nothing documentary the other day. I binge watched it. I found it really, really interesting. And I don't think it was as good as the Tottenham one. But anyway, we're not here for a documentary review. Uh, but I did find it interesting. I do think that, that Arteta's done a decent job in terms of he's brought the age of the squad down. He's got rid of some fringe players, some deadwood, um, given some young players, Smith Rowe and Saka, you know, huge amounts of confidence. And then this summer, you know, that they're, they're, the, the, the buying of... Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus has been inspired, really, because they've, they've both played really, really well. So it's onwards and upwards for Arsenal. Obviously, once the once the harder fixtures come in, this is where we'll see what are Arsenal made of this season. You know, if they can go to the Etihad and get, get a point or even a win, can they go away to Anfield and not get battered? You know, can they can they win the North London derby, both home and away? Uh, th- this is going to be the difference between them being up there and, and just flirting around the top four. Uh, it's early days. It's far too early for me to say whether they're going to be in the Champions League, whether they're going to be title contenders, whether they'll flop. Uh, who knows? There is a long way to go. We're only four games in. Relegation was never decided in August and neither was uh, the top four. But yeah, fair play to it. Mitrovic uh, with the Fulham goal. So he's continuing his good run of, of goal scoring. Uh, and I'm I'm glad to see him doing well actually because like I said in in episode one he's labelled as one of those that can do it in the championship but not in the Premier League but I, I'm 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 glad to see him doing well. Talking of teams not doing so well, Aston Villa lost at home to West Ham. A lot of pressure on Steven Gerrard now. A lot of Aston Villa fans are wanting him gone. This bad run stretches back quite far. It goes it goes back to the back end of last season. I believe it's something like two wins from 15, which isn't a great record at all. So tough times for for Gerrard. It was always going to be hard for him coming from the Scottish Premier League, where although you're under an immense amount of pressure being the Rangers manager, nine times out of ten you are going to win, or you should do. And then he's come to... The Premier League, where obviously wins are not guaranteed, you know, doesn't. <laughs> no one's entitled to win a match. We, we've seen that. We've seen uh, over the years what the Premier League is like. He has spent. He's brought players in, his own players, but it doesn't seem to be. Uh, it doesn't seem to be clicking right now. So, a lot, a lot of pressure on, on Gerard. Again, it's four games. I, I do think it's far too early for clubs to be thinking about sacking managers. But I suspect that if there's not an improvement over the next three games, Gerard could well see himself on the chopping block. West Ham didn't have a win before this game, but they now do, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure that they, uh, I'm sure that West Ham will be absolutely fine, and they will start flying back up to the table. Uh, I think David Moyes is a great manager. They've got some really, really good players there at West Ham. And yeah, they'll be they'll be absolutely fine. I don't expect them to be one of the teams down the bottom. Wolves versus Newcastle. Um I, I was I was kind of watching this. It was on in the background. Uh, two fantastic goals. Uh, Neves with the Wolves goal brilliant brilliant from him. Standard outside of the box hit it. Very classy player. Doesn't look like he's going to be moving in this window. Looks like he's going to be staying at Wolves, which is a huge boost for them. Doesn't look like Neto is going to go either, which again is a huge boost. And they have apparently had 
a bid accepted or they've agreed a deal for a six foot seven inch centre forward. Goals is a big problem for Wolves. Uh, Raul Jimenez has not been the same player as he was since his really bad head injury. So, um, striker was obviously a priority there. And it looks like they've, they're going to get their man. Um, Sasa Kalajzic, I think is how you pronounce it, from Stuttgart. £15.4 million deal agreed. So, new striker coming in at Wolves. Newcastle, they've signed... I always forget his name. What's his bloody name? Alexander Isaac. I wanted to say Isaac Alexander or Anderson. Why do I do Alexander Isaac from Real Sociedad. So Newcastle have, have parted with 60 million quid for him. It looks like Callum, Callum Wilson is injured again. It's such a shame because he's a great, he's a brilliant striker. And he would have had, he'd have had so many Premier League goals had it not been for injuries. It's a real shame because he's, he's a player that I do, I really, really like. So they've gone and spent 60 million on a striker, uh, but it was another one of their, their star players that got the equalising goal at the weekend and what a goal it was. Alan St. Maximan on the volley, bang, keeper couldn't do anything about it. What a goal. With 1-1, that's a, that's a good, it's a good result for both teams really. Stops the rot a little bit for Wolves. So yeah, Newcastle haven't lost a game yet. They're still on on the up and up. They'll have a good season. I don't I don't know whether they're going to be I don't know whether they're going to be in the top 6. I don't I don't think so. They'll definitely be in the top 10. Uh, and then the final game of the weekend was Nottingham Forest versus Tottenham. Tottenham running out 2-0 winners. Two goals for Harry Kane. So this now takes Harry Kane level with Andy Cole as the third highest goal scorer in Premier League history. He is not that far behind Wayne Rooney. I think Rooney's on 206 or 208. Kane now on 187. A lot of talk after the game about Harry Kane. Can he catch Shearer's record? They did some comparisons. Uh, so after the same amount of games, so Harry Kane, uh, he's played 200 and something Premier League games. After the same amount of games, Shearer had 186 goals, so one goal less. And he was almost two years older. What Harry Kane obviously needs is for Tottenham to continue to be competing and for him to be surrounded by great players and have a great manager. And he needs to remain injury free. So there's a good chance that he will equal it, potentially better it. I don't think he will absolutely smash it out of the water. I can't imagine him getting 300 goals and, and just being miles ahead, but he could get there. You kind of get the feeling with Harry Kane that he, he he won't rest until he's beat it. For example, if he gets to 35-36 and he just can't, you know, he's not quite good enough anymore for Tottenham, but he's eight or nine goals short, you could see him going to a newly promoted team and trying to trying to get get a few goals to, to try and break that record. But I'm talking about, you know, things that could could happen. Hey, he could get injured next week and never play again. I do not wish that on him. I'm just saying that could happen. Uh, Forrest uh, are signing 50,000 players in this transfer window. Uh, they are, they've made signing number seven, uh, 19 and they're expected to make more before the window closes. So you're looking at somewhere in the region of 20, 20 transfers. It's a lot. It's a lot. I didn't think Forrest were terrible at the weekend and the fans were the fans were great. The fans really were great and and like I say, they're they're very, you know, they're similar sort of vein to, to Leeds in a way that they're gonna need to pick up points from home or at home if they're going to push on and not struggle this season. Here we go. Right, that's the fixtures done. I spoke a bit too long there, longer than I wanted to. Right then, so that's the Premier League fixtures from last weekend done and dusted. Let's talk about transfers. So a couple of big money ones have gone through on the last in the last couple of days. So Anthony has gone to Manchester United for a reported 95 million euros, 84 million pounds, 
plus add-ons. You know, uh, a big sum of money, but it's a player that Ten Hag clearly wanted. Ten, uh, Anthony had pretty much gone on strike at Ajax. Yeah, he's got his man. I've got the player that he wants. Uh, I've not seen a huge amount of him. I've only seen what I've seen on social media, and uh, <laughs> a player that I, a player that I have on my football manager save. <laughs> so, based on that, it'll be it'll be pretty decent if that's anything to go by. I'm not going to go into whether it's a good a good deal, bad deal, lots of money, too much money. Look, there's so much money flying about at the moment. So much money is being spent on potential. So let's not get into that. It looks like the Wesley Fofana deal is done and dusted. The saga is over. So Wes, unfortunately, uh, he, he downed tools, missed training. He was training with the under-23s. Uh, Brendan Rodgers actually made a really good, uh, not really, well, it's not really good. Uh, he made an interesting point in that this deal with Fafana, how different it was dealing with the player compared to the Harry Maguire one. So Maguire was linked with United. It's very been very similar. Maguire linked with United. Leicester have said, this is our price. Couple of bids come in. No, this is our price. Deal gets done. Same thing has happened with Fafana. He's not for sale unless you give us this extortionate amount of money. Bids come in, bids are rejected, bid is then accepted. What Brendan Rodgers has said is that there has been a big difference between the two players in the right up to the last minute, Harry Maguire was nothing more than a professional. He still came to training, still worked hard and did what he had to do. Whereas Fafana has... has had practically gone on strike, which is disappointing. Look, he's he's young. Uh, he 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 did similar things when he was at Saint Etienne, and he wanted to come to to Leicester. And I imagine he will do the same to Chelsea uh, when Real Madrid come calling. I think he's a superb centre back, and I am I am willing to put my neck on the line and say that I I firmly believe that he will be one of, if not the best centre-backs in the world in a few years. He's some way off yet. Still makes the odd mistake. He's still a little bit rash at times. But he's a class. He is a classy, classy player. Uh, and I can see him being one of the best. It's a lot of money to spend on potential, though. Like I was saying earlier, th there's a, so much money flying around. So it's a shame. It's a shame it's come to this. Yes, he signed a five-year deal. Not that long ago, but I never expected him to to stay, to be honest. I mean, for me, we only had him a year longer than we did because he broke his leg. But just on that, with that leg break, so the Chelsea owners have sent him all the way to America today for him to have his medical. He's going to pass that medical. I don't know why they had to send him to all the way to America to do that. Is it just to delay the deal even longer so that you know, it, it just takes longer for things to be done and for Leicester to react. Leicester have been linked with three centre-backs, I think, today from the Bundesliga. One of them I've heard of. <laughs> the other two I haven't. Whoever comes in has got to hit the ground running and make a difference. Still no bids for Tillemans. If no bids come in, he stays and he goes on a free next summer. And that's the long and short of it. Right, a few more deals then. Uh, what's going on? Let's have a quick look. Uh, Manchester United are looking at Sergino Dest. Is that how you say it? From Barcelona, a right back. Some people have suggested that it would involve a swap deal, that Wan-Bissaka would go the other way. Hmm. Interesting. Callum Hudson-Odoi looks like he's going out on loan to Bayern Leverkusen from Chelsea. As I mentioned earlier, it doesn't look like Arsenal are going to be able to get Pedro Neto. So there's talk that they could be going in for Wilf Zaha. Now, I feel that with Zaha, if he doesn't make a move this summer, I feel like he's going to be a Palace player forever. Which I'm not saying is a bad thing, because he will already is um, an icon at that club. But he could be off to he could be off to uh, to Arsenal, which would just strengthen them even more. 
Because as much as I don't really like Zaha, the person, I think the player is is good, very good. Um, it would make it would make Arsenal stronger, a lot more, a bit more um, firepower going forward as well. Hmm. Tell you, Arsenal going to win the league, uh, and Crystal Palace have offered twenty seven million pound for Conor Gallagher. So it was obviously he was on loan there last season. He's not had a for me. He's not had a well. He didn't have a good second half of the season for me, which it, it raised a lot of eyebrows when he got that England call up, especially ahead of James Madison. That's not just me being biased. You know, Madison's stats spoke for themselves last season, but he's not had a and he's not had a great start to uh, to his Chelsea uh, career either. So he's started a couple of games this season. I thought he was very poor against Leeds. Got absolutely hounded in that midfield. Didn't have the protection of Kante. And he got sent off at the weekend. He didn't need to make that tackle on Harvey Barnes that got the second booking because there was plenty of players coming back. And that's what saved him from getting a straight red, really. But he could have just let Barnes go by and someone would have mopped it up. So he didn't need to do that. It was a bit daft from him. So maybe maybe the move to Palace will do him good. Who knows? I like I say, Nottingham Forest, they're signing... Uh, they're signing about another 45 players as well. Uh, and it looks like Martin Dubravka is going to go to United on loan for a season. <sighs> Why can't Leicester go and loan him? He'll start. Anyway, that's transfers. That's transfers all rounded up and done and dusted. It's going to be a busy few days. I would have loved to have been able to... I don't know, maybe I've done something like a, a live recording or something that, you know, in the build-up to the uh, to the transfer window closing. But the Premier League decided to put a fixture on on Thursday night involving Leicester at home. So I can't do that. But what I will try and do is put an episode out this Friday reacting to the week's fixtures and... Obviously, the closing of the transfer window and what deals got over the line. Was there any shocks? Was there any last-minute deals that we just didn't see happening? Where's Ronaldo going to end up? Talk today that he's going to Napoli. You know, they're looking at Napoli again. I don't know. I've seen Chelsea's name mentioned again. Uh, United have played two games now where without Ronaldo. Sorry, yeah, two games without Ronaldo and won them both. Not saying that there's a coincidence there, but... Right, let's react then to the to the Champions League. So the Champions League was uh, drawn, or the Champions League draw, should I say, took place uh, last week, and some some interesting fixtures for the British teams, because Celtic and Rangers are back in the Champions League. Rangers qualified last week, first time in. I believe, 12 years that they have made the group stage of the Champions League. And they have ended up in a group with Ajax, Liverpool and Napoli. So some amazing away days there for those Rangers fans. And we get the good old Battle of Britain with Liverpool taking on Rangers. Um, always spicy fixtures. It always brings up the debate around should Celtic and Rangers be in the English Premier League. You can't for me, you can't base it off these this these are these are these are one-off fixtures on a European night where it's essentially a cup final. It's very different to a 38 game season, but anywho. I want to pick out group C as a an interesting group. <laughs> so Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and Plazen Yeah, them. That's a that's a group that is. Oof. Bayern Barca. So obviously Lewandowski going back to Bayern Munich a lot sooner than he thought he probably would. Group D, we have Frankfurt, Tottenham, Sporting and Marseille. I think that's a nice a nice group for Spurs there. Group E, Milan, Chelsea, Salzburg, Zagreb. Again, that's a that's a, a nice group for Chelsea there. Milan, you know, they are the champions, the, the reigning champions in Italy, but I, I do think Expect Chelsea to come through that group. Celtic, oof, Real Madrid, RB Leipzig, Shakhtar, um, 
in Group F there with Celtic. So that's going to be uh, Celtic-Real Madrid. A fixture that I don't think has happened all that often uh, when you consider that, that those two clubs are... In, in terms of European football and European competition, are there pretty much every season. So that'll be an interesting one. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with the Shakhtar. Because are they going to be played at neutral grounds? I would imagine they will be. Safety concerns and all of that. And then Man City are in a group with Sevilla, Dortmund and Copenhagen. So again, oh, do you know what? That, as a, as a fan, that's three amazing places to go for, uh, for games. I've not been to Dortmund, admittedly, but we've all seen what it looks like in there it looks looks like an amazing away trip uh, i've been to sevilla twice no once once i've been to sevilla with leicester and i went to copenhagen with leicester two two great great places uh, and obviously erling harland is going to be going back to uh, to dortmund and have a reunion there so i mean i don't i don't expect there to be any issues in terms of qualifying from their groups for the english teams I think it might be tough for the Scottish teams. We shall see, though. Stranger things have happened. Okay, let's have a quick look at the Europa League as well, because that was drawn last week as well. That draw took place. So Arsenal are in a group with PSV, Boda Glimt and Zurich. Again, should be fairly straightforward for them. But this is where we're going to see what Arsenal are made of once these European fixtures start dropping in in between the already busy Premier League fixtures and Manchester United have got Real Sociedad Sheriff I don't know I don't know what what is what Sheriff <laughs> um, and who are they Ammonia I don't think that's what they're called but yeah United have got any uh, an easy group there I think it would be a great trophy for United to win. Start off the Eric Ten Hag era with a European trophy. Not the one they want, no. But in reality, they're so far behind Europe's... You know, they're so far behind certain teams in the Premier League. Maybe not this season, we'll see. But obviously in the last couple of years, they have been. They're even further away when you talk about winning the Champions League. When you start to throw... PSG and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich into the mix. But anyway, I think the Europa League would be a, a good, a great trophy. And, and also, I think Arsenal should take it serious as well. We'll see how they go. See how they both go. I wonder what the odds are on United to win that. Hmm. You've got to remember, though, if you look at the Champions... Because obviously the teams drop out the Champions League, they go into the Europa League. You know, if you look at that... I mean, that group... That Bayern, Barca, Inter group. Someone from there could drop into the Europa. Makes it a bit more difficult all of a sudden. There we go. So that's my uh, reactions to, um, to, to the European stuff. Um, right, let's give some predictions. I think Man City are going to win the Champions League this season. I just think with, with Haaland, they've got a great chance. You know he's done. It. He's he scored goals in the Champions League at lesser clubs. I think I've I think he could be the difference maker. I don't think Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool will be. Um, I don't think Liverpool will be there or thereabouts this year. I feel like they're going to have a bit of a weird season. Still, still great, but I think they're going to have a bit of an off season. Still be top four. You know they'll still batter teams. So. Yeah, I'm going to go for Man City to win the Champions League. They'll probably lose in the quarterfinals now to Marseille or something. Uh, you know, my predictions are like absolutely terrible. Okay, let's have a look at game week five. The fixtures coming up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. We have games. And the first one is Crystal Palace versus Brentford. I think Palace will win this one. They're going really well this season for me. I know they lost at the weekend, but there's no disgrace in losing to Man City, even if you do go 2-0 up. And Brentford, they just seem to have those defensive frailties where they 
can quite easily concede a couple. So I'm going to go with Crystal Palace on this one. Fulham against Brighton. Two teams that are, you know, Fulham at home, they're, they're doing, they're good. They seem to be good this, you know, this time around. And this won't be an easy game, though, against Brighton, who are absolutely flying at the moment. I'm going to go with a Brighton win. That Champions League march for Brighton. Go on, lads. Southampton take on Chelsea at St. Mary's. Is that what it's called now? Yeah, St. Mary's. I nearly said the Dell. Jesus, I'm showing my age. Yeah, so ah, you can't see any, anything other than a, than a Chelsea win, to be honest. Um, but Chelsea aren't, aren't ticking as, as well as people expected them to. Yes, they won at the weekend against a poor Leicester side. Could have easily lost. Leicester were unlucky. But also crap at the back. Um, so Chelsea win there. Leeds, I expect... Leads to beat Everton when they take them on on Tuesday night. Yeah, Leeds at home. Talked about it already. Under the lights, Tuesday night, those Leeds fans will be well up for it. Frank Lampard as well, obviously, Everton manager. Bit of history there between Leeds and Frank Lampard from his derby days. Leeds will win that one, in my opinion. Arsenal, the champions-elect, take on Aston Villa. Oh, tough one for Gerard. this. I tell you, we, you know, there's already pressure on him and then he's got to go away to the team, top of the table and try and get something to try and save his, save his managerial career already. Mental. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I expect Arsenal to continue this, this great run that we're on and uh, they'll win this one. Bournemouth against Wolves. How are Bournemouth going to react after getting pasted at the weekend? They're at home. There's got to be a reaction. It's not a bad fixture to be playing, actually, for for Bournemouth. It could have been a lot more difficult for them. You know, something like away at West Ham or, you know, at home to Tottenham or whoever. Um, oh, how are they going to react? I'm going to go for a Bournemouth win. Yeah. Bournemouth win. Don't know why. I just think it's going to be a Bournemouth win. Man City take on Nottingham Forest. Uh, by the time this kicks off, I imagine Nottingham Forest will have signed player number 30. Man City, oh, you can't see anything other than a City win. I mean, in, in a... In a total sort of opposite to how Bournemouth have had their fixtures handed to them, Man City have had some favourable ones. I mean, I know Newcastle away isn't the isn't the walkover that it was maybe a couple of years ago, but bloody hell. I know you have to play everyone twice. But, you know, come on. Man City win. Erlen Haaland with a couple. If he plays, do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Pep dropped him and rotated because he can wouldn't be surprised keep an eye out on that one those of you with your fantasy premier league mm. okay a london derby west ham take on tottenham at the london stadium now this is a game that i feel that tottenham always seem to struggle against west ham it's one of those fixtures that just as Tottenham are doing well, they'll go to, they'll go to West Ham and then and then lose. But Tottenham, I feel, are a different beast these days. They've got a world class manager who I don't feel like he'll, he'll allow that to happen. West Ham obviously picked up their first win. They'll be up for it. The fans will be up for it. If Tottenham are going to be title contenders this year, these are the games that they need to go and win. They need to be going away to West Ham and winning. Going away to Forest like they did the other day and, and winning. Because previous Tottenham teams, and I think Conte mentioned it himself, previous Spurs teams may not have done that on Sunday. With that atmosphere, with the fans on you at, at, at the city ground, you know, it's one of them 
old grounds where the fans are on top of you, you know, passionate. So Tottenham do need to win this, I think, if they're going to be considered as serious title contenders. So, oh, I don't know. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to pick the splinters out my ass later and I'm going to go with a draw. Liverpool-Newcastle, historically a game that always delivers and Newcastle are, are really on the up and up. And I don't, think, I don't think Newcastle have anything to be afraid of here in terms of going for it at Anfield. If they get hammered 4-0, they've gone for it. It doesn't really matter. They've got, they've got points in the bank, so to speak, because they've had a decent start. Two wins, two draws, I believe. So they might as well go for it and take it to Liverpool, who, despite what happened at the weekend, haven't looked amazing. I do think Liverpool will win. But honestly, if I was if I was uh if I was anyhow, I wouldn't be putting in any special plans to try and just because they've scored nine, Liverpool have just scored nine. I wouldn't be putting any special plans in to say, right, we've got to do this, we've got to keep it nil-nil for as long as possible. Go for it. Just go for it. And on Thursday, I will be subjecting myself to watching Leicester City take on Manchester United. Uh, I talked about it last week that I'm now in that mindset where I just don't see where the next win is coming from or the next point is coming from. Which is not a great place to be. So Leicester are currently bottom on one point. To my mind, we should have at least four, if not six. You know, losing to Arsenal away is no is not a bad thing. And despite Chelsea having ten men, it's not a bad thing losing to those either. Losing to Chelsea either. Um it's drawing Drawing with South uh, with Brentford when being 2-0 up and losing to Southampton when being 1-0 up. That is disappointing. Oh, oh, and we scraped through. We scraped through that, that Stockport game. They took us to penalties. I mean, we battered them. <laughs> but they took us to penalties because it was 0-0. And in the next round, we've got Newport, which is a banana skin waiting to happen. Newport knocked us out of the FA Cup two or three years ago. So look, all is doom and gloom at the minute at Leicester. But, and, and I, the thing, the difficult thing is, I, I look at it from a fan's point of view, from someone that has been emotionally invested in this football club for, for 30 years. And I, having been through relegation and stuff like that, it is horrible, absolutely horrible. And I know that there is different expectations at different clubs. But if you're a club that expects to be in the top four and you finish sixth, that is nowhere near as disappointing or as heartbreaking as it is to be relegated. And relegation for Leicester at this current moment feels, it feels unthinkable, unimaginable. They're supposed to be expanding the stadium by 10,000 people because believe it or not, there is a waiting list for season tickets. We have eight or nine players out of contract next summer. And we've just signed up two or three players on long-term contracts on big money. And we have this amazing, unbelievable training ground. So to think that Leicester could be in the championship next season is, is a disaster. It would be, it would be an absolute disaster. And it's not in the long-term plan. Now, I'm not going to go into the, to the whys and what-fors as, as to why Rodgers hasn't been backed in this window. I've, I've gone through that and everything is out there and it's not just a case of having to sell for Farner and, well, hey, we've got players. It's to do with wage budget and squad players being on big money. But it would be absolutely unimaginable for Leicester to, to go down. Not unimaginable. It can, it can absolutely happen. Could happen. There's just a really bad feeling around the club at the moment. When Southampton scored the other week, no, even before that, when Madison scored, 
my first thought was great we're winning but that won't last and I was talking to a Southampton fan that I know lives locally and he said that he was in the pub with a load of Leicester fans and there was a bit you know a bit of banter flying around and when Southampton scored to make it 1-1 he said every single Leicester fan that he was with said Southampton will win this game now and that is unfortunately the mentality that Leicester fans now have there is just no trust that they we can see game we can see games out and I think that seeps into that seeps into the players now Rodgers has got to work with these players and rebuild their mentality the senior players that are still there at the club Evans Vardy, Albright, and they need to get around these youngsters, and they need to say they need to they need to rebuild this mentality. You know, we need to be holding on from winning positions. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know what? What's who? Whoever's been signed on big contracts and now can't be sold, that's something that they'll have to deal with for the next couple of years. And long term, with what is going on, and 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 what's happened this summer in terms of not being backed or not buying players because the money's not there, what it does mean is is, is in a couple of years' time, the money will be there. But what Leicester need to be is in the Premier League in a couple of years' time. Or that plan just goes completely out the window. So like I say, as it stands, I just don't see where the next points come from. But I, won't, I don't want to be so negative what I want to see from Leicester fans, including myself on Thursday, and I don't expect us to beat Man United, which is negative, but it's also being realistic because United are on the up. We've got a decent record against United over these last few years. What we need on Thursday is, however many is there, be a sellout, 32,500. We, we need to get behind the team. I know it sounds like a really cliched, old-fashioned, get-behind-the-lads We've got to get behind the team. You know, I watched Forest yesterday, and I know they're a newly promoted team. So new, when you when you're a newly promoted team as a fan, you have that mentality of, well, we have just played Tottenham, so you know, let's we can't be angry at the players. What I want to see on Thursday is the fans getting behind the players, including myself. I won't boo the players. But they've got to they've got to start putting a bit more in as well. You know, everyone's blaming Rogers. Leicester fans want Rogers gone. They want him gone. They want Pochettino in. It's not going to happen. Uh, I've said it before. Rogers is too expensive to sack. I've seen people say use the Fafana money to sack him. Pfft, I, I I don't know. Look, he wants new players. He wants to rebuild this team. I think he's a good manager who's having to deal with some players that are low on confidence at the minute. And don't get me wrong, he, he makes some shocking decisions in terms of subs and tactics. But the fans need to get behind the players. Let's stop. Let's stop with that, oh, no, we've conceded a corner. Because that just, that, that attitude just, it just, it seeps in. It seeps into the players. It goes onto the pitch. They look shit scared every time we concede a corner. And I mentioned Forrest a second ago, and that was because I want, I, want, I want Leicester fans to be backing the team regardless of what happens on Thursday. It can happen. We can do it. Oh, I'm all riled up now. <laughs> um, that being said, it's going to be a difficult game on Thursday, really. United are obviously, obviously flying. and We're not flying, but they're doing really well again and... You know, there's a feel-good factor again at United. And I think come Thursday, if, if if one or two more signings come in and one or two go out, you know, and, and their and their fans, to, to credit to them, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of plastic ones around, uh, which there are at most of the big clubs, to be honest. But United's away support is is fantastic. They really, really get behind the team. They're your top reds, they are. Um I'd yeah. I'd love to say that we'll get a draw and it you know I think United will win and then it's Brighton on Sunday. Well I'll cover that later on this week. Um 
So, right, that was my overly impassioned talk regarding Leicester. I apologise. Actually, no, I don't apologise. They're my team. I don't want to see them get relegated because that championship is a hard, hard division to get out of. And I think if Leicester were to get relegated, it's not a case of they'll come straight back up. You could be looking at a Forest situation, 20 years. Could come down to the game against Aston Villa in a couple of weeks' time. Whoever wins keeps their job. We shall see. I just hope they don't decide to do a bit of a manager swap, so I don't want Gerard. Anyway, I've gone on for, for an hour, nearly an hour now, and I, I, you know, you're going to be hearing from me again this week because, as I say, there are going to be more Premier League fixtures this weekend coming up thick and fast. But that's it for episode five. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Added Football. Don't forget to follow Games and Graps. We're everywhere. Everywhere on all the socials. Obviously, don't forget to follow Sonny and give the Clubhouse podcast a listen as well. And also check Finn out on Twitch, doing his streams, twitch.tv forward slash Finn Steel. Sorry, the Finn Steel. I'll get it right one of these weeks. Thank you very much for listening. If you do listen, you know, drop me a message on Twitter. It'd be greatly appreciated. Tell me what you agree with, what what you don't agree with. Um, football's all about opinions, and I'm up for a debate as long as it stays, you know, relatively, you know, savoury and doesn't get out of hand, and you know, we don't get personal or anything like that. Uh, but I'm always up for I'm always up for chatting about football. I know that I talk about other teams, teams that I don't support, but you know. I'll, I'll be getting some guests on soon that support those teams so they can get their opinions. You can hear it from someone who can give an impassioned rant about their team like I just have about mine. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Tell all your friends, all of that lovely stuff. And I will speak to you next time. See you later.